It's Sex and Sarah Rose. I'm Sarah Rose, and really quick before we get into this episode, I know you may have found my podcast because you were looking for some interesting information about sex to listen to, but what you may not know is that I actually work with a lot of men to help them tap into their inner badass, have the sexual confidence that they've always desired to have, and to know once and for all that she isn't faking it. I have two distinct programs to help men. The first is for men who are ready to take the first step towards igniting their powerful sexual energy and getting better in bed. It's called Sex Stallion Training and it's an online program for you to do on your own time in the privacy of your home without a partner. This is for men that are single, in a relationship, or dating people. The second is called Man on Fire, which is the only sex university just for men. This six-month program is designed to help you become the ultimate sexual master. For six whole months, you train with me in live online sessions, and I will train you to be the best lover that she has ever had. So if you want the sex secrets that every woman wish you knew, and you wish that every woman had told you, this is where they are finally revealed. Check out more info at tantricactivation.com or just check out the show notes in the podcast app you're listening to this from now, and there will be links there for you. Thanks and enjoy the show. It's Sex and Sarah Rose, and today I'm here with Tori Feldman. Tori is an ancestral healing guide and woman's spiritual mentor. She guides people through ancestral connection and healing practices to reclaim their connection to their roots, receive the unique wisdom of their ancestors, and awaken their full self-love and confidence. After immersing in countless spiritual paths and lineages, Tori experienced a radical awakening that changed her life forever when she visited her ancestral homelands. Ancestral connection brought her the healing and confidence that she had been searching for her entire life. Tori now helps others connect to their ancestors to heal intergenerational patterns and trauma at the root. Tori, it's so great to be here with you today. Oh. I'm overjoyed, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, thank you for joining us. And uh, it's just so timely to to talk with you. And I always love talking with you. So for our listeners, Tori and I have been friends for years, and she's such an incredible healer and all all the things amazing. Tori is that. (laughs) And so I just really treasure and value you and our friendship. And so thank you for being here. And um, I'm excited to see what new things I learned from you today, because um, I always just, there's so much wisdom that you share always. And yeah, really excited to see what we are able to delve into. Yeah, I'm so ready to get taboo. Let's talk about sex and death and everything in between. (laughs) All the good stuff. So let's start out with what is ancestral healing? Mm -hmm. So ancestral healing is the practice of looking at what you inherited from your parents through your childhood and what your parents inherited from their parents and what they inherited from their parents and so on and so forth through your ancestral line. And then through looking at what you've inherited, which can include all different kinds of trauma, limiting beliefs and patterns, 
you do the work to heal and clear all of that intergenerational imprinting from your life so that you can live free from these cycles. Which sounds really, really important. <laughs> so how do you, do you look at it at all through the lens of science as well with epigenetics? I mean, I know that's like a real hot thing right now and, um, you know, it does help. It explains a lot. Does that tie in with your work at all? Yeah, absolutely. So epigenetics is incredible. It's the scientific study of how we actually inherit more than just the physical genes, such as like recessive blue eyes, but also how we can inherit traits that can lead to, for example, PTSD. So just for people who may not be familiar with epigenetics, there have been studies done. One of my favorite sources is Rachel Yehuda, and she's done studies with victims of the Holocaust and their grandchildren who are 80% more likely to have PTSD. She's done studies with women who were pregnant during 9-11 who were around the Twin Towers and how that's imprinted in their children and has, and has a higher likelihood of them developing some kind of PTSD or anything later down the line. This is also the same for veterans. It's Etc. And so in my work, I pull from those studies of epigenetics. I also pull from the studies of psychology. Like when you go into therapy, usually the first session you have with a therapist is, so tell me about your childhood and tell me about your mom. What's your relation like, relationship like with your parents? And so I pull from epigenetics and psychology and the lens that I bring in addition to those is spiritual. So I'm all about helping people connect to their ancestors in a spiritual sense and also create lasting and practical change in their life in a way that's very tangible. That's great. And I mean, this really does tie into our sexuality, our relationships, our love lives, like all of so much of that comes from our, the conditioning that we have from this lifetime, but also from previous generations, the way that gets passed down to us, the way that our parents experience sex and relationships, the way that our grandparents experience sex and relationships and like really to get to a state of, um, of sexuality and relationships and love where you're just walking in your own sovereignty and your own power without this other influence it takes doing a lot of this work with your your ancestors with your your childhood your parents everything that you grew up with so definitely ties in so much yeah it's it's really infinite when you get into it a lot of people are like what's the connection between like sex and ancestors and it's crazy because really when you think about it it's that is what brought us into existence. Like you came here, you were born because of your ancestors having sex. That is literally like on the most basic level of like physicality, what brought you here. And so I know Sarah, in a lot of your work, you talk about like sexuality as like life force energy and like this force of vitality. And sex is literally what brought you into existence. And when you cut yourself off from your sexuality, you're cutting yourself off from your life force and from your most primal power. And the same thing goes for your ancestors because your ancestors literally brought you into existence through sex. 
And if you cut yourself off from your ancestors, or if you feel shame or rejection towards your ancestors, then you're cutting yourself off from your life force. And you're cutting yourself off from the primal power of thousands of ancestors who walked before you. And then there's all those other layers of the inherited beliefs that we have around relationships and love and money and confidence. And basically ancestral healing is very similar to like sexual healing in the sense that we're clearing all of those intergenerational patterns of like shame and repression and like not wanting to go there. You know, it's like, let's turn to look at the taboo. Let's turn to look at like the parts of sexuality that no one ever talks about so that we can reclaim that hidden power that we've been repressing and pushing down. And the same thing goes for our ancestors. Yeah. So how do you work with people on this? Like what are some of the techniques that you use? So in my work, it depends on if I'm working with women or not with women. So if I'm working with women, I work with the womb space. A lot of the work that I do is about actually remembering what did you inherit while you were in your mother's womb and how is that imprinted into your womb space and into your entire sexual blueprint here and now. And really looking at really, some would say awkward questions like, how were you conceived? If you can find it, what's the actual story of your conception? And what was the energy during that moment when your soul started incarnating in your mother's womb? And then while you were gestating through the course of those nine months, what was your mother experiencing? Because the child in utero is literally receiving all of the hormones from the mother and all of the chemicals from the emotions of the mother. So if your mother experienced any kind of trauma while you were in the womb, whether it was like just financial worries or whether it was like being abused by her beloved or, you know, the death of a loved one or like my mom falling on um, skis and getting trapped in the snow and couldn't push herself up when people are coming down the ski slopes. That kind of stuff is imprinted into the fetus during such a foundational gestational period. A lot of people think of childhood as like, you know, the most sensitive time where we're like a sponge. It goes deeper than that, literally when our soul is coming into our body. And so when I work with women, that's a lot of the lens that I take is working on that and also connecting spiritually to our ancestors. And then for everyone else, it's it really goes down to looking very deeply at what did you inherit? Like, what are the belief systems? So we get really deep into the nitty gritty of like, what patterns do you see in your life? What patterns do you see in your family? Where do they come from? And then what we do is we travel back to the time that a core wound happened in your lineage. And so oftentimes that's literally thousands of years into the past in your lineage. And we help facilitate an ancestral healing there at the root wound, at the moment that that core wound happened, so that then the healing can ripple out through the generations, through your lineage, impacting hundreds or thousands of ancestors along the way and liberating them from this pattern, and then rippling out into your life and towards your descendants and your children. So there's many different approaches, but generally speaking, for women, it's the womb space. And for everyone else, it's that spiritual connection and traveling back through your lineage to remember the stories and to liberate yourself from the patterns. So is it necessary to know the stories or remember the stories? Can you still do the healing work without that? Yeah. So a lot of people ask, like, what if I don't know the names of my ancestors? What if I don't even know where I come from? And no matter what your situation is, 
you don't need to know the names. You don't need to know where you come from. What's important is cultivating that deep spiritual connection. And so no matter where you are, even if you've never taken a DNA test, even if you don't know the names of your grandparents, even if you were adopted, this work is applicable for everybody. And what we do when I facilitate these healing sessions is we travel back to a core wound in the lineage and we're remembering the story of the lineage, oftentimes from thousands of years ago. And, you know, it kind of goes into that question of like, well, is that real or am I making it up? And it's like, I personally believe that these stories are real and my clients feel them literally in their body. A lot of the work I do is very somatic. It's like you can feel, you can feel the imprint in your body. And at the same time, what many therapists say, you know, when you're doing subconscious work or you're interpreting dreams is it doesn't matter if it happened. What matters is it's true. It feels true. And when you're working on that level of the subconscious or ancestral memory, the important thing is that you're reprogramming your body's cellular memory of that event that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do that in the work that I do as well, where you can literally like change almost, it's almost like you're changing what happened, like your physical response to, to the entire situation, which sounds really weird until you experience it. <laughs> and <laughs> It's like, yeah, you actually can. It's really cool. Um, So how did you get into this work? Such a long and winding path, Sarah, you've seen it. So yeah, I grew growing up was raised Jewish and being raised Jewish, I got bat mitzvah. I went to Hebrew school and I never was introduced to the spiritual mystical aspect of Judaism. I felt disconnected from it. I felt like I inherited this religion and this tradition that just didn't resonate with me. And so I got pushed in the opposite direction of like, F that, I don't wanna be like my family. Started wearing like ripped up clothes and just like didn't want anything to do with where I came from. I was like, no thank you to all of that. So I went through a huge rejection of my parents and my family, even though they're loving and beautiful people and like my ancestral religion and had to find my own path. And that guided me to studying cultural anthropology in school. And I became really obsessed with indigenous cultures and indigenous rights and cultural revitalization. And so after graduating school, I went and I lived and I studied on a Native American reservation for a year. And during that year, I was working with Native elders and youth on cultural revitalization projects. And one of them, for instance, was I was a kind of like a guest teacher for the native language class, which was hosted at the library. We really wanted the youth to get involved. And so I was developing these lesson plans with elders and the only people that were actually attending the class were these elders. And we were like, how do we get the youth involved? And so that was a big question. And so after a year of like really pushing and trying to get the youth involved in their ancestral indigenous cultures, I realized that I was coming from a huge wound because I felt disconnected from my own culture. I felt like I did not inherit a culture of substance. I felt like I inherited this culture of like fast food and celebrities and a religion that I did not resonate with. And so that journey guided me to being like, wow, I care so much about this indigenous native community, like remembering where they come from. I'm a white girl. I need to look at myself and I need to turn toward my ancestral ways and find the magic that lives in my ancestral lineage. Because I believe that 
all ancestral lineages, including yours, like we all have such deep magic and folklore and spirituality and tradition and sacredness and depth in the culture of our ancestors. And so that guided me to visit my ancestral homeland and to start incorporated, incorporating ancestral healing into the work that I do in the world. Mm. So, you mean, it, it's a really relevant topic too for everything that's going on in the world with racism and um, being anti-racist and everything is like looking at ourselves on this level and really looking at our lineage and who we are. And um, there are, you know, so many accusations, uh, definitely plenty of them are valid towards, um, you know, white ancestry and the things that uh, white people have done. So where do you even begin with this type of work? I mean, I know it's a huge, huge, deep question, but one that you're very passionate about. I am. So are you talking about specifically if you have, if you're white and if you have white ancestors, how to work with that or in general? Um, so if you're white and you have white ancestors, like how do you work with that lineage? I guess there's a couple of questions there. Um, a lot of us as Caucasians, we don't know much about our ancestry. We have been very disconnected from it. Um, and uh, there's a lot like I know for in my family, like I was raised very evangelical Christian, but that's not my heritage. That's not my lineage, but that was all I was raised to know. And so, you know, but like, I know be before that, there's so much more that I would love to delve into, but like, where do you even start? And then I guess from there, we can go into another question around like, how do we begin to heal? Um, you know, just a lot of what's, what's gone on? Yeah, such a good question. So basically, I'll speak from like the perspective of like being white and having white ancestors, and we can go into other things after that. Um, what I guide people to do, and what like I would guide you to do, Sarah, is to go back to a time before religion in your lineage. And so a lot of people are like, I can't even imagine that. And it's like, actually, all of our ancestors, like as white people, like there are incredible folk lineages in Europe. There are traditions of ancestral reverence and ancestral worship. If you go back to like ancient Ireland and their dolmen tombs, like there, this is a place of ancestral worship. There are practices of actually connecting to your ancestors in these cultures. And so it's really important, first of all, to know that so that you know that you're not like culturally appropriating. Like in the work that I do, I'm not taking from any like indigenous cultures practices. It's literally about connecting you with your ancient ancestors and your ancestral culture and your lineage to remember it before religion, to remember it before a trauma, to remember like the purity and the power and the primal essence and the gifts and the ancient wisdom that are in that lineage. And so it would be about connecting before like prehistory. And for some people to go back like before history and before religion is like mind blowing. And that in itself also brings in these like these aspects of like tribal ancient ways of living with the earth and with each other and remembering like this wholeness and belonging and community and belonging to the earth and connecting to that earth wisdom. And then on another level, if you are, for instance, 
descended from someone who has owned slaves. Like, let's just go there for a second. You know, a lot of people are saying that it's not right for white people to connect to their ancestors if their ancestors were oppressors. And I do not guide people to connect with their oppressive ancestors. That's not what we do. What we're doing is we're connecting with those ancient, wise and well healed ancestors. And through connecting with them, we work to write the karmic, like disgusting, white supremacist patterns in our lineage. And so a lot of what that looks like is actually turning and speaking to your oppressive ancestors and saying, I'm changing this pattern. It ends with me. You're not going to get away with this. And this incredible woman, Jessica Winston, who is House of Hoodoo on Instagram, has spoken to this. She's a woman of color. She's a powerful ancestral priestess. And she says, like, we need to literally turn to our ancestors and, like, scream at them and say, this is not okay. And they got away with it in the physical. They're not going to get away with it in the spiritual either. Because when someone dies, it's not like they suddenly become wise and well and healed. You know, when someone dies, it's just a transfer of energy. And so on some level, that energy of like white supremacy that some of our ancestors have been living in the physical when they die, that's still happening in the spiritual realm. And so we need to approach that spiritual realm with that like ferocity and like no more. So that's a lot of the work that I would guide someone to do if they're white and specifically if you have like oppressors in your ancestral lineage, which basically if you're white, either way, that's, that's all of us. Right. So do you, what about if you've got like a lot of different, you know, like so many Caucasian people have a lot of different lineages that are all mixed. I know for like, for me, it's um, mostly Italian. I'm like, well, a quarter Italian on my mother's side, a quarter Norwegian on my dad's side, but then there's still like 50% of me, like 25 and 25 from each. That's just a big mix. So um, where would you go with that? Yeah. So basically on the path of ancestral healing, the first step is forming a genuine connection with your ancestors. And for some people that is just purely spiritual, what I try to do is I bridge it, not just with like the spiritual eyes closed work, but in actual research of like, where do you come from? And so for you with like Italian and Norwegian, you can easily just like today with today's technology, go online and learn about these cultures and try to learn of like, what were these cultures like before X happened or before Y happened or before Z happened, tapping into like the ancient, you know, Italian, like profound um, relationship to the gods and the goddesses and like the earth and the spirituality and the mythology, for instance. Um, And then for all of like the mixed things in there, that's something that you can either like take a DNA test and dive into or something that you can just like intuit and feel like what, what is actually calling you? What are some like interesting patterns that you're witnessing in your life that make you feel a call or a pull towards researching a certain culture? So for me, I have taken DNA tests and I find it liberating to be like, oh my gosh, I have like 1% of this or like 3% of that. And really that 1%, because realistically we have, each of us has millions of ancestors is like, that's thousands of ancestors from that one culture. And so, you know, a lot of people, especially like working with like native communities and people of color talk about like the blood quantum and want to move away from saying like, I'm, you know, 15% native into just saying like, I'm native. 
And, you know, you don't have to say you're half of this or half of that because you're a whole. And so looking into all of your different lineages and realizing that all of your different lineages have thousands of ancestors, literally like ancestors who have lived and breathed and walked on this earth, just like you and me, who are a part of this culture at some point through the ages. And so you can study that culture, you can connect to the holidays or the folklore traditions, you can read about folk tales and mythology in that culture. There's, I mean, I could literally go on and on. This is what I teach. So I'm gonna cap it there because I get very, very excited. <laughs> yeah, I've looked into uh, the my Italian ancestry and like specifically um, the witch ancestry there. And like that, I really love. Um, and I definitely want to go to Italy and explore that more. It's um, Norway isn't something that I have explored as much. I do know we also have uh, Viking ancestry though. So that's really intense. Like it was actually, I didn't even know about that until my grandmother's funeral, uh, which was a couple months ago. And at the funeral, my dad mentioned our Viking ancestry, but the way he said it, he was like, um, so-and-so, like one of the great aunts, uh, like she never wanted us to talk about it. And I was, and so like, of course, then after that, all of the, the grandchildren and everyone who didn't know about this were like, so what's this all about? Like <laughs> auntie so-and-so didn't want us to know about this Viking ancestry. So yeah, that's pretty interesting. But then um, I was actually uh, recently talking to a guy that I was just like messaging with and um, and he was like, well, totally makes sense. Like the witch stuff for, and you like do Tantra and then like the Viking stuff, you do jujitsu. <laughs> like, yes. Oh my God. Right. <laughs> Which like I hadn't ever thought about before, but I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. So I am definitely still, uh, living in the tradition of my ancestors. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Wow. Yeah, it's so it's so powerful to like retrieve that like hidden memory of something that might be lost. Like a lot of the people I work with say that they have like family secrets. It's like they try asking their grandparents questions about their childhood or their ancestry and their grandparents just have their mouths zipped. And you know, this is especially in the lineages of like people of color who have experienced so much trauma that, you know, for for a grandmother to talk about that time of her life or what her grandparents have been through or what she's seen is literally like reopening that wound. And so like, first of all, understanding like with a really deep heart full of compassion, why some of our relatives or grandparents aren't able to tell us things and also why they want to keep things a secret. And also like knowing that you can retrieve and remember that you have Viking ancestors, like, oh my God, that is so powerful that's so beyond powerful. And, you know, just to use like the Vikings as one example, the Vikings were seen as like powerful, strong warriors. And they're also like vicious, you know, they were like rapers and pillagers and mm -hmm. that was their lifestyle. And there's this incredible podcast that Lila June Johnston was on. The podcast is called Mythic Medicine and her episode, Lila June Johnston's episode, she, um, she's a woman of native Diné heritage. And she also has Scandinavian European heritage. And I think she's half and half. She's like Scandinavian, Scandinavian.
Scandinavian and Scottish on her father's side and on her mother's side, she's like full blood Dene. And she presents as like full native and her brother presents as full white. And so um, she's like seen the difference in how they've been treated. And on this podcast, she talks about how like she had to come to terms with forgiving her white ancestors. You know, how do you come to terms with having the blood of the oppressor and the oppressed? And she talks about how before, like, for example, with the Vikings, like before um, the Vikings were this like vicious people, you know, just to like really generalize and stereotype them for a second before they were like these rapers and these pillagers, they were raped and pillaged. Mm -hmm. And that's like what has caused this wound of separation, especially with like a lot of white people who don't know where we come from. Um, And, you know, a lot of spiritual white people really feel called towards indigenous traditions. It's for that reason. It's that cultural wound of like, we've been cut off from our like deep indigenous heritage because oppressors like for example, the Vikings came in and took over other like more indigenous connected to the earth minorities. And then the Christians from England came and conquered the Vikings and like really just wiped them out in a lot of ways and made them assimilate into Christian culture. And so it's like hurt people hurt people. And, you know, even with Viking ancestors, like there's so much power there and there's also so much wounding that caused for them to be such like incredible warriors in the first place. So really like taking that bigger ancestral lens to look at what cut us off at the root and remembering our indigeneity in a lot of ways. Like we all come from these ancient earth worshiping cultures who were just colonized and then colonized and then colonized. Mm, Yeah. And so I mean, it sounds like it really just comes down to doing the healing work ourselves and choosing that with us, it ends. We're not going to carry um, the patterns of dysfunction or pain or trauma forward anymore. Um, And so like on a real practical level, can you explain how that looks? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for example, if someone's working with let's say a wound in their life that's related to like money and self-worth. Let's take it like really practical to that level. Um, What I would do with someone is ask them some questions about where did you get that from? And, you know, tell me about some situations in your childhood where you remember something that happened with your family or, you know, in your life that really taught you this belief. And so I know a lot of people, you know, go back and do this inner child healing work with, you know, these core beliefs and ancestral healing incorporates that inner child healing work, but then it also takes it to that ancestral perspective. And so what that looks like is through um, awareness, first of all, the first step is like awareness of like, huh, I have this in me and huh, like, okay, I see where this comes from. And oh, I see that this isn't actually mine. This is just a belief that I took on because of how I was raised. So step one is that awareness and getting really specific and seeing where it comes from and seeing which lineage that it comes from or seeing what dynamic between your parents it comes from. And then taking it a step deeper and actually looking at the spiritual level. So it's like we go from the physical, the here, the now to the spiritual and the ancestral. And that's where that work happens. And so through the combination of here and now and like the ancient past, we do that work to unravel it. And then so, for example, when you heal your relationship to prosperity or abundance, even before the time of money, you know, with our ancestors, it was like, this is often caused by poverty consciousness or famine. Um, 
when we do that work on that core level during times when our ancestors experienced these wounds that really were impacting their livelihood and seeing how that's translated today into our relationship with money and our relationship with like feast or famine and all of these different patterns that many of us carry, then we shift that deep wound of like self-worth and abundance and allow for that to ripple out into the way that we live our lives. And so a lot of the work I do is spiritual. And then there's also an, a portion of my work, which is the integration and like literally letting this impact and ripple out into your relationships with people, with health, with career, with life purpose, with money and finances, etc. So it's kind of like a holistic approach. Mm -hmm. And so when you're working with women, what type of experiences do they have? Like what do, what kind of realizations come up? Like how do they see it shift their life? Yeah, it's, it's honestly so different for everyone and it really depends on the intention. And so when I'm working with someone, we specifically go to, um, what are you looking to heal and shift? And we focus on a core wound. And so using that intention, we go back to that core wound. And so for instance, I can also use myself as an example for this one. A lot of the ancestral healing work that I've done has been around like confidence and feeling like I belong in my body and I belong on this planet and I belong in my family and I belong here and I'm here to share my gifts. And so for me, like being a very spiritual, mystical woman, most of my life, I was so out of my body. I didn't ever feel like I belonged here. I felt very uncomfortable in the skin that I was in. I had eczema all over my body. Um, and also like, you know, weird to say, but being born white, I was just like craving, you know, that connection that different indigenous peoples have to their ancestors. And so I was just like, Oh, this skin, I'm so trapped. I'm so trapped in this family. I'm so trapped in this body. I'm so trapped in this skin. And that was impacting every aspect of my confidence. You know, like the expression of like feeling confident in the skin you're in or loving the skin you're in is like very real. And it's not just about your skin. It's about your body. It's about how you feel in your body. It's about feeling safe in your body. It's about reprogramming your nervous system so that you feel safe to be here and show up and be confident and love yourself and feel worth in yourself and give your gifts to the world. And so through ancestral healing, a lot of what I did was healing my relationship to even incarnating in the first place and even choosing the family that I'm in in the first place and choosing the lineage that I'm in in the first place. And that helped me uncover like the deep magic that literally lives in every cell, that lives in every like bone and every fiber of my being. Because when you're rejecting or shaming where you come from, how can you feel full confidence in who you are? And so for me, healing that ancestral pattern of like, shaming my ancestors and shaming this, you know, Jewish religion I didn't resonate with and shifting it into seeing it through the eyes of, I am literally born into this body for a reason. This is no accident. And I deserve to feel free. I deserve to feel at home in my body. I deserve to feel my soul descending all the way down into my legs and into my feet. That's when my, my gifts activated more than ever. That's when I stepped up into my purpose more than ever. That's when abundance started happening in my business and in my life more than ever. And that's when I felt the most confident and free. Like I can literally sit here saying I have never felt more confident and free in my entire life. And for me, it was ancestral healing and it was healing that core wound of feeling so, so rejected. Like I just wanted to reject where I came from. So when you reclaim what you've rejected and you reclaim the power of where you come from, it changes the foundation on which you stand. It's like you're standing on the shoulders of your ancestors. And if you hate them, then you have no foundation to stand on. 
So healing that relationship is what brought me to where I am. Mm -hmm. So how would you heal like even stuff for um, like right now? So for instance, me with evangelical Christianity is like the, what my parents live and die for. Right. And it's like, definitely not me. It's not something that I am in alignment with at all. Um, like what would you even do around something like that? Yeah. So a huge part of that, especially because you're a woman, is related to the womb work. And I, I know that you also like do really powerful like deprogramming and reprogramming around like sexuality and its relationship to religion. It's honestly very similar. A lot of the work there is really similar. And in the process of doing that deep work of like clearing these imprints of like, you know, for example, the shame around sexuality that's imprinted through religion. Um, and, you know, working with that level of being also calling in the ancestors, intending for it to also impact your lineage. And through that process, tapping into the raw spiritual essence that transcends the religion and connecting to like the mystical truth at the heart of it and or from ancient times pre-religion. And mm -hmm. so kind of like the work that you do and then weaving in that intention of working with the ancestors and reprogramming repro the entire body and every cell of the body on that level. And a lot of it is also honestly forgiveness work. Um, a big aspect of ancestral healing as difficult as it may sound for some people is to actually understand that your parents just were inheriting something and their parents were just inheriting something and it's not their fault. Just like it didn't start with you, it didn't start with them either. And we're all doing the best that we have. And you know, sometimes our parents' best is toxic. Sometimes our grandparents' best was abuse and it is not okay. And so the act of forgiveness doesn't condone those actions. What it does is it sets you free and helps you feel like you're in right relation with the energy of your ancestors. It doesn't mean that you need to like talk to your abusive alcoholic grandfather, for instance. What it means is it's liberating you from that being a heavy weight that's on top of you your entire life that's holding you back. And, but like, and that was my experience when like I was leaving that religion. It was like, so I had the example of growing up with my parents and they're these just really amazing people that are so loving and caring and nice, like never abused me, anything like this. And then, you know, realizing as a young adult what this religion that I was a part of like actually really stands for in a lot of ways. And I was like, well, that isn't in alignment with who I am, but yeah, it was definitely something that was really challenging. Yeah, totally. I hear that. And a lot of what happens is like when you do this like deep work on yourself and when you're deprogramming and when you're shifting how you feel within yourself towards your parents, that may feel like it's just happening inside of you, but like really what happens inside is also going to be reflected on the outside. And a lot of like the nature of spiritual work is, you know, it's literally shifting the fabric of more than what you can see with your eyes. Like that is literally the spiritual realm. And that's like also the emotional realm. Like a lot of people, when they step into ancestral work and they do this deep healing work, like for example, diving into a month long immersion with me, oftentimes huge shifts happen in their family. Like I've had 
absolute miracles that I could never explain that I could never expect happen because they're doing that inner work. And sometimes the inner spiritual work takes time to manifest in the physical dense 3d reality. You know, sometimes it takes time to catch up um, because shifts can happen in a moment internally and in the external, it could take, you know, weeks or months to settle in. Um, so I would just say for you and for anyone else who's listening, who's doing that inner work and who's still working through that inner conflict and anything that's within yourself that you want to shift for yourself and your family and your kids to just continue trusting and believing and like the work that you're doing is having an impact. Even if you don't see it yet, it is felt. And even just doing your inner work, just for example, in a relationship between like a daughter and a mother, the relationship even if you're not talking about the inner work that you're doing, even if she has no idea that you just went through this like really big release around something you inherited from her and her womb, the dynamic of that relationship is changing because the energy that you're approaching your mother with is changing. And so it's like, as your energy shifts, her energy will respond. And that's just kind of like a part of the laws of like energy in the universe is like every action has an opposite or equal reaction. And what you're doing is you're not only working on your own energetic field, you're working on like the ancestral field and the relational field and the familial field, and in many ways, the collective field. And so even if you think of healing an ancestral wound, like thousands of years in the past, think of that one ancestor thousands of years ago and how many millions of descendants of theirs might be walking on this planet today. And so it's literally shifting the collective field as well. You think it's personal and it's personal, it's familial, it's relational and it's collective. It, it impacts everything all at once. So I would just say you're doing a freaking amazing job, Sarah. You're doing, you're doing the work. I know you. You're a woman of integrity and depth and power <laughs> and you live and breathe this work. So I would not be surprised if something shifts in your relationships or, you know, even just in how you feel towards your parents, which is like, that's what it's all about is like, once you end the cycle within you, the cycle is ended in your lineage and it does ripple out. Even if you don't realize it, it does ripple. Yeah, I remember like being so uncomfortable with my skin as well, like you were describing earlier. But like, I just felt just so out of integrity with myself and out of alignment with who I am. And like, it just, it was painful, like really painful to, to feel that. Um, and definitely with all the work that I've done around like my own, my sexuality, but of course the work that I do is so much beyond just, you know, having sex. It's not just like, you know, penis and pussy and like it's about how we show up as, as beings and doing all that work, doing the inner child work, doing the work that I've done. It has definitely shifted how I show up. Um, you know, there's still, there's just some things that I'm just like, you know, I just have to walk away right now. Like, you know, but, um, I can, I guess now what's changed is just that I'm more in integrity with who I am. I feel like I'm really in integrity with who I am. And like, from that place, I just show up in love. And when I need to leave in love, I do. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. powerful. That's like the ultimate, you know, boundary and the ultimate reflection of the inner work that you're doing. It's like the way that you're showing up and the way that you're living. 
Yeah. So um, I would love to play a quick game with you if you're all right with that. We have a um, game. You are friends with Erin Hickok as well. um, And she has her intimacy deck from Cards for Humanity. So we always play a couple of cards on uh, the show. So um, I'm going to grab those and I'll play a couple rounds of cards. Sound good? Yes. All right. So, okay, so I got the cards and um, here we go. Let's talk about sex. So I'll just randomly pull a card. um, And of course, if something comes up and you want to skip, we can always go to a different card. Okay. All right, let's try this one first. All right, it says, my definition of sex is blank. That's such a good one. My definition of sex is sacred union is experiencing God through the person that you're with and connecting into the element of oneness itself. Mm, That's very, very beautiful. I love that. Yeah, I would say that is also my definition. And also, like, I just incorporate a lot into, you know, I'm just very expressive when it comes to sexuality and sex. And so I totally love that type of sex. And then I also love just a good random fuck and um, everything in between. (laughs) Everything in between and also outside of those bounds as well. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It doesn't need to just mean lovemaking either. You know, sex is like, the energy of creation itself and sex is pleasure like biting into a juicy peach that is sex oh my god yes that is sex you can make love to anything like you can literally like make love to your food as you're eating it and feeling it like coming into your body mm. there's there's so much there yes got me started thinking about what I'm gonna have for dinner now <laughs> <laughs> thinking, thinking Indian food sounds good <laughs> Yes. Oh, yes. Sorry, I get sidetracked sometimes. <laughs> okay, we'll do another one. Here we go. All right. I practice self love by blank. Mm, there's so many things I could put in that blank. I practice self love by looking at my shadows just as much as my light and choosing to love those shadows, not with the intention to change them or heal them, but with the intention to purely love them and to reclaim all the hidden power that lives there. And I also practice self-love by showing up in service to myself, to others, to the world, and realizing that the person that I'm with is a reflection of myself. So giving and receiving. Beautiful. Let's see. I practice self-love by um, doing my practices, whatever it might be. It might be ones that I'm also teaching or a new program that I'm doing. Um, But just saying like, all right, nobody come near me for the next 30 minutes or hour or whatever it is, like setting very clear boundaries. Like this is my time. Don't talk to me. Don't knock on my door. (laughs) Give me space for me. And that's what fills me up. And um, I find that having that type of boundary is very difficult for so many people. Like a lot of 
clients that I have or people that want to work with me, they're often like, well, I just don't have any time to myself. Well, you're not choosing that. You're not claiming that. Like you've got to just be very clear on, on your boundaries. And like for me, because I'm constantly giving, 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 giving out with my work, like I have to fill back up. If I am not giving myself the self-love, then I can't keep teaching. I can't keep coaching people and be effective at it. Like I'll just be totally burned out. So, um, my favorite self-love practice these days is just sensual dance and like touching myself as I move and like literally just asking like how much pleasure can I feel in my body right now and like what movements does my body want to make right now to drop deeper into that pleasure it's been the most nourishing practice and that could just take you know three minutes if you wanted it to 30 minutes is a good chunk of time for like a real deep practice. And if you just want to do something quick, that's just the most juicy, yummy thing ever. Yeah, it is. And it makes such a big difference. Like for, you can do it in the shower even, right? Like just you can put on some nice music, you get in the shower in the morning, soap up and yeah, just enjoy. Like it makes a huge difference to start your day out that way. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's do another. Bum, bum, bum. Okay. When I talk about sex with my lover, we talk about blank. Mm. We talk about open, honest communication. And we talk about the mystical element of connection. And we always set intentions beforehand. So all of the sex is intentional and surrounded with open communication. That's beautiful. Um, when I talk about sex with my lover, we typically just talk about, um, yeah, like what we want. And if it's like before sex and what we're desiring and uh, because, you know, I think every time we have sex, there's a different flavor to it. And um, every time we want to have sex, there's something different that we're wanting to get out of it or to feel in it or to experience. And so if you talk about it beforehand, then it makes it a lot more likely that you'll get what you're looking for. And so, yeah, when I'm talking with my lover, we'll talk about that. Or if it's after sex, then we'll talk about what we experienced and how it was for us. And yeah, just have some time to integrate and to, to hear each other and feel each other after as well. Um, and that's so important because unfortunately, a lot of people, they don't do that. And it makes a big, big difference in sex if you just take some time afterwards to connect. Yes, so good. And I'll add on to that. One of the questions that has been so supportive is when my lover asks me, I really want to know your body. How did it feel when I did blank? Or I really want to get to know your body. When you move like this, what does that mean? And really just getting clear on like what felt good and what could be improved upon and having it just be this open flowing conversation that doesn't need to mean anything bad. It's just learning how to please each other more. 
Yeah. And that's really a good point. I think a lot of people are afraid to talk about sex because for some reason they think it's going to be something bad, but it, even if you're giving, you know, feedback on things you want different, that's not a bad thing. That's a beautiful thing. That's how you're learning about each other. That's how you're going to um, just have deeper connection and deeper intimacy and more pleasure going forward. And so like, what I don't even like the word bad, but like what is bad, if I was going to use that word, is holding ourselves back from having such deep, incredible intimacy and mind blowing sex just because we're afraid to talk. And that comes up so much more even with sex, I think, than than most things, because we have a lot of conditioning around not talking about sex, that that is just something where we just don't talk about it, just keep our mouth shut, don't even really make much noise during sex, much less actually verbalize <laughs> things that we want um, different. So it's yeah. so true. And that's, I think, a part of like, the sexual wound that's so intergenerational is like you keep it taboo you don't talk about it you know and it's wild I'm sure you've mentioned this at some point on your podcast but the connection between sexuality and the womb space and especially for women like the yoni and the throat and how your vocal cords literally look like a vagina and the expression of like actually speaking what you want and or making sounds you know, instead of holding it all in, opens up your sexual energy even more to receive more pleasure. So there's such a deep ancient connection there. And I think a part of healing that sexual wound in our relationships intimately with lovers, as well as on the collective level is being willing to talk about it more and bring it more out of the dark and out of the shame and into like the collective love field of what people are willing to talk about. And that's a huge part of what will normalize sex more and keep it more healthy and make things more consensual and help end rape culture. I mean, it goes so, so big, so deep, so fast. And it starts with us starting with the people that we feel most comfortable with, with our lovers and just choosing to go there. Yeah. It is one of the biggest things that I hear from people when it comes to consent is like, well, it just gets us out of the mood, right? Or it's just not sexy to have to talk about things like that. And it's like, well, then let's make that the new sexy <laughs> because <laughs> it's just, it's a non-negotiable. And my experience is that it actually um, can be very sexy. Like I'm thinking about one guy right now that like we communicate so well prior to sex and about, about like the things that people don't like to talk about. And, um, we have fucking incredible sex afterwards and, you know, but like, and it just, and then another guy I remember that I was with, like, he just very, it was our first time together. And so very much every single step of the way, consent, consent, consent. Is this okay? 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 And it was like, yeah, it's, you know, you just keep moving forward until, you know, if you get to a point where it's not okay anymore, you just stop at that point. But like, it's okay to ask, is this okay? <laughs> yes. yes, normalize that question totally. And like, as a woman who loves to be in her feminine, it's so beautiful for someone to ask, like, may I give you this? And then for the feminine to like receive or for the feminine to just like be in her truth and say, not yet or no. 
you know, that it's such a powerful practice and it can be so sexy. So sexy. Uh, Tori, it's been amazing. I love seeing you. Can you tell everybody where they can find you? Yes. So my business, my company, my service in the world is Sacred Ancestry. You can find me at Sacred Ancestry. So you can go to www.sacredancestry.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Sacred Ancestry. And I have many, many free offerings for you as well as programs and one-on-one work. My most recent offering that I'm so excited about is a free challenge to help you connect to your ancestors and start your journey of ancestral healing. It's called the Wise and Well Challenge, and it's full of resources to get you started. Awesome. Well, I highly encourage y'all to work with Tori. She is the real deal. Um, I just completely admire your unending quest towards truth, authenticity, healing. Um, you really, we've, that's the reason we've been friends for so long is because like, I just like, I totally completely admire you and just that you, you're real. So, so real on every single level. And, um, I absolutely adore you. I love you. And you're incredibly powerful. And anybody that works with you is very, very fortunate and blessed to uh, receive, receive everything that you have to offer and to transmit. So, um, yeah, thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. I love you so much. (laughs) And that is Sex and Sarah Rose. Hey, it's Sarah again. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes for everything we discussed in this episode. And you can also find out about how you can work with me. Until next time, lovers. Down tonight.